You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? Hey, vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hello, Facebook people, and hello, everyone on Earth Station Who listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. This is an exciting one for us. This one is going to be a little bit different than normal. This is a round-robin discussion that we're also doing with you know some amazing people. But we are going to be, can Doctor Who be saved? And how can we fix it? So mm. we're just going to go in and talk all about it. But let me do some introductions first. We have some guests with us. And, of course, welcome Melanie Dean back to the show. Hello again, everybody. I'm so happy to be back and talking with y'all. It is always great to have you on the show. And oh, we have you. a couple newcomers with us, too. Let's also welcome Keva Reese to the show. Hello, everyone. And we also have Mackenzie Floor. Welcome. Hello. I've been actually excited because I also have been seeing other podcasts. And, you know, I've been working a bit with the folks from the Traveling Tardis show. And, you know, it's uh, the official title is The Legend of the Traveling Tardis. And, you know, they are a great bunch of folks. And Melanie, Kevo, and Mackenzie are all of them are active participants in that show. And it's a lot of fun, you know, talking with Christian and he has been doing gangbusters with that show. And do you want, Melanie, you want to tell everyone a little bit about that show? Well, what started off as a, just him taking pictures of his, his little silver TARDIS and just having a Facebook page, following it around, taking it on its merry little adventures. Hence why the legend of the traveling TARDIS, uh, he started up the reins of a podcast, which is now two years old now. Uh, first year was just, let's talk who, let's talk about Dr. Who's shows. Let's talk about, you know, episodes, doctors, every kind of thing in the world. Um, and then COVID hit, which then made everybody a captive audience and and for some reason, very interview friendly with anybody who was working in the entertainment industry. So then we kind of shifted gears into online, Facebook, blah, 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 and became almost like an interview series. Um, since then, we're kind of trying to go back to our old school roots all one year ago. Um, but 
we're a weekly podcast. Uh, we're starting to do the YouTube thing and we're going to start making more content. That's a little bit more bite-sized. And so you're going to see a lot more of, of Kevo and Mackenzie and, you know, they're on the show constantly and we're just, you know, we're just chit-chatting and having a good time. So that's, there you go. that's, that's my shtick. Yay. That, that's her, that's her <laughs> elevator pitch right there. <laughs> There it she is. goes. It's a, it's a great pillar. That is awesome. And of course, we're also joined by our regulars. Let's say hi to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. And Mary Ogle. Hi, everyone. It is fantastic to be here. And if I sound a little scratchy on the show tonight, I apologize. I am fighting a cold. Eek. And Aww. I know it's okay. Ugh. You know, exactly. Just in time for my last voice lesson cl- class next tomorrow night. <laughs> of so, of course. So I'll be in there in my class. Mike, we want you to read the script tonight. <laughs> yeah, so it should be great. Interesting you're doing As with a year old man. Exactly. I'll, I'll, <laughs> hey, I'll do a great Mel Brooks. It'll be perfect. You know, so. It'd be awesome. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home and definitely write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys on this topic, especially because we're, we're going to go for a while on this and there's a lot of different things to talk about and there's a lot of ways we can express this and talk about it. Um, you know, we might throw in a couple of new, like news stories that are coming down, some, you know, rumors that we've heard, and we definitely, you know, are going to talk all about this all the way across the board on this. No holds barred tonight, folks. You know, if somebody's heard something, if it's rumors, anything like that, we definitely would, you know, like to talk about that. And, you know, we're going to talk about ways, you know, that, you know, people, people have been, you know, BSing about Doctor Who for years and, you know, oh, it's nowhere near as good as the old series or this showrunner's not as good as this showrunner or I miss this doctor or I miss that doctor. Or you could always do the Radio Times as in every every January 1st. Is this doctor leaving? Rumor going around <laughs> that this doctor is going out the door. So, you know, let's go in, you know, is Doctor Who broken? Do you think the series is, you know, on its last legs? Is it, you know, let's hear from you guys. Melanie, you got a quizzical look on your face. <laughs> um, I don't think Doctor Who is broken. I think there are some little facets business-wise that are, like their marketing department. Um <laughs> sorry guys, but really. Um there and I mean, and then if you want to keep get on a granular level. Yes, there's certain things that are broken, but as a whole, Doctor Who just has some rust on it. And if, if they just go through and figure out where that rust is, strip it out, bondo it, and paint it, it'll be fine. But Doctor Who's always kind of been that. I mean, look at the TARDIS. She's, she's kind of old and a little worse for wear. So just like the TARDIS, Doctor Who is itself, maybe fix a couple things. And if you, we can get into that a little later, what those things I think they are, but let everybody else have their have their say first. That's awesome. Let's, you know, just let's jump in discussion. I'm not going to go now, Kevo, what do you think? Okay. You know, just, <laughs> okay. just let's just, let's just dive in. You know, if you guys have thoughts to go on that, let's just go with it tonight and I'll bring up different topics as it goes along tonight. So well, let's just go with marketing wise. The reason I say that is you do not need to tell everybody who you're going to cast right out. Let it 
be, we live in a world of spoilers. I know it's extremely difficult to be uh, ahead of those spoilers, but I think that for, I think a big problem with Jody mm-hmm. was that they told everybody about Jody. And so mm-hmm. you had that facet where it felt like a, a false kind of thing of to some, to some people that you hired specifically because it was a woman. Instead of just showcasing who she is and going, oh my God, they did a, they, they, the doctor's a woman. This is awesome. Sometimes a little bit too much of that kind of information in the beginning, I think it went into the hive mind and then it went berserk. Kind of quick little kind of parallel is look at what happened with the, the baby Yoda figure from the Mandalorian. They kept that zipped down quiet and made the audience figure out what they what they liked about it and didn't like about it on screen without someone seeing a product uh, a feature of this and going oh they're making babies now so they're trying to what go to the little toddler audience it it just completely shut that out i think that they might have learned a little bit on this uh having john bishop as the the as a companion and just saying hey we have a companion here it is they didn't say it until they announced it so I kind of think that's a, a step in the right direction, but I think they need to start keeping things closer to the to the vest than just, you know, con- being able to control those those, those that the Ooh, high yeah, exactly. So so you're saying the next doctor needs to be a baby? That's what I'm hearing. Yes, and a green <laughs> a green baby at that. Green baby. <laughs> yeah, maybe not green. Maybe baby Tardis Yoda Blue is the next doctor. Yeah, Tardis Blue but- baby. Yes, that that BBC should literally give me their five-year plan, and I would like it by quarter. Who's going to be the actor? What the shooting schedule is, so that way I can go ahead and start making my YouTube rants now. Oh, of course. You know, I'm just you know, it's going to be spoiled anyway because they'll have to give to Funko Pop who the new character is going to be and mm-hmm. the new costumes. You know, look how quickly that the once they announced Baby Yoda, you know that how quickly all the toys started coming. It so, actually so, wasn't quickly. Yeah, it, actually, they that held was off part for of the a problem. while. Was, yeah. yeah. They had to convince Disney not to make toys and not to hype Baby Yoda. Yeah. You know, I really agree with a lot of what Melanie is saying. The thing is just, it is hard. Mm-hmm. They had to beg Disney, who are always having dollar signs in their eyes, who wanted to have Baby Yoda toys ready for Christmas, and they couldn't have anything. The Baby Yoda plushes were not available until August, and I can promise you that because our mother wanted one desperately, (laughs) and she could not get a Baby Yoda toy for months. You could get a Turtus mug. Yeah, you could get you you could get get yeah, you could get like little like little Etsy toys of Baby Yoda, but the official merchandise took a while because they had to keep it so secret. It's it's hard. Like I, I, I wish they hadn't announced the next companion, but I even understand they had to because people are going to see him filming. People are yeah. going to be asking, who is this guy? And fans are ravenous and they don't let things go. And they would have gotten really annoying about it. Right. So I think that's the only reason they told us anything to expect mm-hmm. from this guy. Mm-hmm. I think I think Doctor Who does have a history of just even recently of surprising us, though more so yeah. than a lot mm-hmm. of other shows. I mean, uh, last year or the the first season with Jody, the um, or the second season of Jody with the introduction of the Master, that was a big surprise. Missy too was a huge surprise. Missy yeah. was a big surprise. Was a better surprise. Yeah. But that first they, appearance, character. that first then, appearance of yeah. Jenna was a right. surprise. I, I knew about the monster way. I knew about the monster six months before he actually showed up. So for me, it was not a surprise but at also all. Also, look at look at you know the one episode with the uh, Doctor Ruth. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah. You know, a big surprise was, as well. That, you oh, know, that what perfect. they've, so they've gotten better at it. But, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, would it be like, oh my God, Jody is regenerating, you know, what, you know, and who is this person who's the new doctor? And it's like, oh my God, it's Hugh Grant. Oh my God, you know, or mm-hmm. something, you know, it, it would I be great. That. It would be great to have something like that, you know, you know, like when Tennant was shot by the Dalek in that one episode and he started regenerating, they were going, oh my God, are they actually doing this, you know, type thing. And that would have been an amazing idea to do. And I would love to have seen that with Doctor Who, but are, are, are they capable of it? Yeah. I also think they're not good at capitalizing on their downtime. No, it's they're not good at using social media. They're not good at using. I mean, think of, you know, put out some webisodes, Mm. put out, put out some, some in between stuff. It doesn't have to be huge and elaborate. I know they put out some little things, but I mean, they're just, they just seem like afterthoughts, put some thought into it. Um, I I mean, especially since it's such a long time between series so why not use that time? Use it to build up an audience. You know, use it. Yeah. You know, capitalize on that. Don't shy away from it. No. How many times have we said on the show it would be awesome to see a Paternoster Gang show? Yeah. Or a Return of Torchwood, or something else. You know, there's so many spinoffs of Doctor Who that you could have. Heck, people have been clamoring for a Paul McGann Doctor Who series. Even if they're mini-sodes mm-hmm. or something, wouldn't it be awesome to have stories with the eighth doctor on screen? I mean, so many ways in, you know, to get to, to, uh, to explore the, you know, it's like a side quest in a video game. Yeah. Yeah, and I British can... TV is very open to these small little jumps. They're like, they're, they're all, their viewing audience is used to four episode mini mini series yeah. six episode actual series mean, meanwhile here we're like what there's not 32 i don't understand what what you only have <laughs> five and you were done <laughs> you know it so over there if you wanted to have a do it do a, a, a two three story episode arc of just the eighth doctor or the paternoster gang and just put it film it so it just sits into mary's point of there's such lags of time, all this downtime. You have a B crew, have that. Utilize your license and your branding a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they're not they're not doing that as well as they could. But that could be because they are, for the most part, kind of government, right? You know, government run. That's true. So well, true. I think. True. And I think I just saw an article where they they have to like cut like five hundred million dollars or yes. something crazy. Well, and yes, I'm like some ridiculous yeah. amount. Exactly. And actually, that's one of the things we were going to talk about tonight is, you know, BBC's budget is being cut hugely. And there are some shows that, you know, you're even joint productions with other companies and such that are on the bubble of being cut out and just ending unless they could be saved. Is Doctor Who, do you think, one of these shows? No. Doctor Who is a cash cow. It would, it would be, it's hard to believe that. However, industry is shifting. One of the things that RT Davis actually mentioned, and it kind of goes with what Mike was talking about earlier, is he thought that 
he had thought, mentioned two different things. The first thing was that it should be kind of like a Marvel universe where we have all these spinoff shows similar to what we did during his time where we had Torchwood. Mm-hmm. But then we also have the industry is shifting now where more things are going binge watching. So that's another area where you could technically take Doctor Who do a whole entire series could be 10, 11 episodes and do it in the format of binge TV watching, which that formula, that's actually something that I'm studying right now as a screenwriter. And that is hot, hot, hot. You look at discovery plus that travel channel and food network. They all went with all their new shows are all now on discovery plus $5 a month. You get all their new shows. So it definitely would be something that would be nice to look into. Oh, very much so. And you know, is Doctor Who ripe now to maybe be sold from the BBC? Do you think? Do you think would they dare? I don't think they would dare. <laughs> I do doubt it. I think yeah. the, the, they might do like a co-partnership. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which if there actually was a rumor mm-hmm. that came out today, which allegedly came from the same source that where I found out about the monster six months before he actually got announced and knew it was Sasha Dewan. There is a rumor now saying that Apparently, Warner Brothers and BBC are cooking up something where they're either going to do a reboot or they're doing a movie, which I had heard about a movie being talked about before from another source. So maybe there's something more to come for that. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm hoping they don't do a Doctor Who movie because the miniseries, I think, is a better miniseries, I think, would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Money wise. Exactly. Because, uh, you know, so many, especially once they could start getting the Americans involved with it who don't know mm-hmm. Doctor Who, you know, I I lived through the whole thing through the, the what do we call the wilderness years, as we like to say, where, you know, they had all the rumors that Steven Spielberg was interested in doing a Doctor Who movie, that at one point it was possibly Michael Jackson going to be the Doctor or, you know, all these different things. And thank God they settled with McGann. And it was just, it was just crazy to think about, though, that, you know, once Hollywood starts getting involved then you start getting dangerous away from canon, away from all this different thing. And I know people, they want Doctor Who open to a bigger audience. And Doctor Who now is more popular worldwide than it ever has been. I think it's for that reason that they do need voices from other countries, though. I think something that might help Doctor Who is getting an injection of Hollywood. Because, yeah, not everything they produce is great, but some of the stuff they produce is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that has been incredibly successful. It pays enormous, enormous tribute to its source material being Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics. Almost everyone that I have ever heard involved in it loves working on it. And I think that Doctor Who needs <clears throat> I'm I, I it's ugly to say, but it needs a little injection of American greed. I think that's part of what has people so lax about producing content like we had talked about. You know, Russell T. Davis really had that. And that's why we had things back in series two. Like, does anybody remember the Tardisodes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which were these like little yeah. mini episodes mm-hmm. that went with series two for every single episode. And we haven't gotten mini sodes since series seven, I think now. So mm-hmm. almost 10 years. And I think that 
embracing its international market. It should never lose its British charm, obviously. That's its origin, and I appreciate and respect that. You wouldn't make Captain America suddenly really focused on Canada. But I think that they need to understand that they have audiences from around the world and be thinking a little bit more globally. I think they're thinking too locally right now. I I agree with that completely. And maybe, you know, a reboot might not be a bad idea completely. Like a soft oh, the, reboot. The format allows you to reboot anyway. I mean, so right. that's, that's a – You kind of reboot all the time anyway. Well, true. exactly. That's what but the great thing with to... Doctor Who is that it keeps on reboot. It does restart itself. Every time there's a new Doctor, it's a it's a reboot mm-hmm. basically. Would, would you say that, that the Chris Chibnall era has basically – one of the problems with it is that it has gone stale? Very is quickly. that it is simply a rehash of, of things rather than moving Doctor Who in a in a new I'd direction. Say it's fifty fifty. But the yeah. thing, but the problem was when Chibnall was doing all original villains, all you know, new stories his first season, people were bitching and moaning. Where's yeah, the Daleks? Them, Where's the Cybermen? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he I did, mean, he didn't create any villain that's memorable, or I even would want to see come back. You know. I mean, it comes you, down to the faults with the showrunner, though, right? Right. Yeah. Right. You, I have, mean, you have to do it with a certain amount of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> finesse and, and ingenuity rather than, you know, just kind of clunky things. writing. Mm-hmm. I do agree with Kevo and the that they need a little bit more of that immediate, uh, American greed vis a vis that they need to look at the Doctor Who brand and look at it as how many different types of revenue streams can we have with this? And I, I get you guys aren't you're the BBC. You're not Marvel that had that not Disney who has Marvel and has yeah. this and has so much money coming in. I was like, oh, do we have a bad year with TV? It's okay, we'll get it from the parks. You know, so they're not going to be able to do that. But you have to at least have a little bit of that ing- that greed to kind of come in here and go, okay, well then, what can we do? Can we do those little mini sods? Can we do something that's look what look what what she what Sheen and Tennant did with staged? Right. They were able to right. produce content in this format, mm-hmm. and we're able to just to go, okay, well, can we find people who can edit this? How do we do rig our own sound? How do we do this? So it's that whole necessity breeds is the mother of, of invention. Mm-hmm. They need to get a little greedy and get a little bit of, you guys are not going to have a lot of money. You need to start thinking outside the box and how we can use this this amazing license that you have that you're not really freely giving the licensing away either and figure out what can, what kind of content can we do? Whether, I mean... Even in comics, usually the back page of a comic is another comic, whether it's a, you know, a little type type of cute little fun drawn one or some other thing. Well, not even that. You have your comic, then you have a few pages that's devoted to other comics where if you want everybody else to learn about another one, you just couple, put a couple of pages in there. And then you have another comic on top of it. So it's like, like a 1940s serial. You're going in there for a movie, but you're getting a newsreel and everything else. So I think the BBC has just to look at Doctor Who and go, all right, what else can we spin off? And if that's them going to a whiteboard and making little circle diagrams, they need to get, I think they need to start doing that so they can save the major brand. Right. Broaden your focus. And, <laughs> and they're already exactly. right now partnership with a great partner in, in HBO Max. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that, so, and that's Warner Brothers right there. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so it's even in HBO Max's. I mean, if they want to get, you know, as many subscribers as they want, if they finally want to overtake, you know, Netflix, if they finally want to overtake Disney, um, we've seen that they're willing to do things like extend the Justice League movie, right? With the Snyder Cut, which is getting a lot of buzz. I would imagine something you know, ambitious with Doctor Who involving, you know, past doctors or whatever would probably equally be as interesting to people. An epic, you know, something epic in scope. Could you imagine taking all the stuff right now and say, RTD, recut this. Take what he made and just recut it however you want. I'd watch it. If people could put their egos away, you could sell that box set. (laughs) The Davies cut. The Davies cut. I'm the Moffat cut. We're like, okay, well, how do we screw that? What do we do with this? I mean, you you can take that that content and rebrand and have fun with it, even if you're mixing it up. Like, you know, you're taking last night's dinner and turning into the morning's frittata. Do you guys think Chibnall is the person to do that, though? No, no. I'm going to say right out, no, no, no. Okay, it's just crazy how much. Sorry, necessarily on Chibnall's fault. Per se, I think there's a lot of uh, politics. There's always been politics when it comes to Doctor Who, but especially with, I know that there were things that Moffat wanted to do, and they used to like, heck no, nope, 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 you're not doing that. So things have completely changed. If we look at even the pitch that initially Chip did to for Jody, that has completely gone, <laughs> pretty much gone into the into Skyro because of COVID. I mean, it, it pretty much has rocked everything. Mm-hmm. And now that is kind of what they need to do is think outside the box. Going with Melanie and I believe it was Mary and Kevin all they had suggested they think I actually think what they need to do is bring in the person that did the Doctor Who lockdown. Look at how she mm. quick brought all those people together yep. and was able to do that. She's now working as a producer with Big Finish. Bring people from Big Finish. They can write stories like that too. You've got so many potential there. You got BBC and Big Finish combining there. It would be fantastic. Well, one of the cool things with Doctor Who is they've added a, a writing room, supposedly, to doc, to creating the series and such. They never had that before. I don't know what the hell they're working on, though, because it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's succeeding. It's a lot of working. talk. No, yeah. it isn't. And I... I don't know why. I don't know if the TARDIS was too crowded for the last couple of years. We had, and there was just not enough talented enough writers or producers to be able to write specifically for all these different characters. Star Trek has done it, or other series have done it. Why, you know, you have four main characters that isn't that hard to write for. Shouldn't be. Exactly. And that, that is actually a point that I've been very concerned of because there are going to be cutting down this season. And then, then there's rumor that Jody's going to be leaving. I mean, how in the world are you going to you suddenly have 12 episodes that now have been put down to, I believe it was eight Eights. now. And, and this then, is including yeah, the holiday special for eight. Are you going to have a new doctor? How are you going to get that time child era or arc written in six episodes? I just don't see them doing it without them half-assing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know how uh, much more there is to that arc anyway, though, at least for right now. I don't know what else Chibnall plans to do with it. I kind of just assume it's a bomb he dropped and someone else will pick up the pieces someday. 
<laughs> just ignore there, it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't need much more from it. I'm a fan of it. I think it's a really clever mm-hmm. twist, and I think that it also fixes one of the biggest Doctor Who problems, which is people have always talked about the regeneration limit. Now, not only can we tell stories of Doctors that we never knew existed, which is really cool, but now we never have to worry about that again. The the idea that we can't get more Doctors. I'd mentioned on TLTT a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about potential new Doctors, a quote from Stephen Moffatter on the 50th anniversary was, he'd love to see Mayfly Doctors, like someone who only appears for one episode. Mike mentioned yeah. earlier, Hugh Grant appears. Why can't Hugh Grant play the Doctor for one episode and then regenerate? Now mm-hmm. he can yeah. if there's no limit. And well, you know, t- technically he did. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it just literally all. I I love these ideas that you guys are saying because it's going the right direction and everything. And I think with today's audiences too, you have. You know, people don't like too complex of a storyline. It, you know, it, they, they lose it and it goes right out the window a lot of times. And that's sometimes that's why. That's not I think, true. Look at the like, popularity yeah, of uh, Mandalorian and yeah, WandaVision. That's what I was going to say. Those are, those yeah. are very popular. And, and I think that's the problem. I don't know if, uh, you know, if Chibnall did drop that bomb and didn't expect to do anything with it, then shame on him because a showrunner's job is to try to think like, 10 seasons ahead right you need to be planning everything um look at the that you mentioned the success of marvel that's what the success of marvel is is that nothing i mean there's certain things that they have freedom to to do by accident but pretty much everything is is planned out so that so well in advance that everything builds on each other and you know if you yes. work now start now and start building to the what is it uh, we're coming up on the 60th right anniversary yeah, yeah we have like two years start, Right. You start building to the 60th anniversary. Think about how huge of an event that could be. Man. I think 10 yeah. years for British creators is a bit of a stretch, though, just because of how short. But you British... don't, but you don't mm-hmm. know. But like, but I see this, is a, this is a franchise you can do that mm-hmm. with, not only because of the time travel element inherent in the story, but also because this is like, I don't think any of us think that Doctor Who's going to go away anytime soon. Why should it? Yeah. Why should no. Doctor Who be canceled? Like, why shouldn't it be around in 10 years? It oh, should be, right? I am getting so sick of hearing these people online. Oh, Doctor Who needs to go on another hiatus. It needs to go away for a while to re, you know, go away, people. You're not true fans. Exactly. Of that. Maybe, yeah. It's like maybe they need to go on a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find something else. <laughs> model which goes with mike's point here that tv binge model actually and this is one of the issues that i have with current doctor who with the 13th doctor specifically because the characters all the companions really what you're supposed to do is you have your main character and then you have your common characters so those are the characters they'd be the companions and how do they relate to the doctor well we kind of didn't get that very much with Yaz. We started a little bit in series 12 to get a little bit more understanding of Yaz and her background with depression and mental illness. But then we got announced of this new companion. So I am, again, I'm like, are we going to have that same problem where Yaz is going to be pushed back again and everything's going to be now pushed on John Bishop's character? Well, I don't know. He's writing it. Right. Yeah. That right. Is- exactly. Because going back to like, well, I was just gonna just say ahead, it's like back back when we went back when we went on TLTT when we were talking about the episodes of Jody's first season, I've you can go back and look at there. I did not like any of Chibnall's 
episodes, the ones that he wrote, the ones that the, the, were the strongest, in my opinion, were people he went, he, he, you know, farmed out to and said, okay, this episode is by somebody else. I'm like, that was a good episode. And then go, oh, yeah, it wasn't Chibnall. Oh, most <laughs> of these episodes since Chibnall started, the best ones are non-Chibnall written stories because these people know, hate to say it, they know what they're doing. Come on. You know, Chibnall. Mm -hmm. I don't think Chibnall was okay with Torchwood. He was okay with, you know, some of the stories he wrote for the earlier years of the new series. And then Broadchurch. Even Broadchurch, after its first season, though, I think he didn't know what to do with these people. And, well, that, and that's what I feel like with Doctor Who. Absolutely, because with Broadchurch, you find out after you know after, it's a whole whodunit kind of thing. You're thinking, okay, he he really plotted a lot of this out, and you realize, oh, he plotted like two or three different endings. So I'm like, oh, so you built this so that in case you wanted to just change it up, you could have actually had it that this person did it and not that person did it. Which I don't know if that's his approach for Doctor Who, and that's why it's kind of like almost like a spaghetti model a little bit where, oh, well, we're going this way, but, you know, the hurricane might hit this. It might hit this, but we're going that track. <laughs> and I almost wonder yeah. if that's how Chimno writes. And it's not really why why for Doctor Who, where we, we had Moffat, we had RTD, and it was more tightened up. And that's maybe why we're getting this kind of little... Uh, mm -hmm. And even, even beyond that, I mean, I think he could almost get away with that if he was better at writing character. I feel like I can't connect to his characters. His, I have never connected to any of the new companions. I mean, I, it's not that I dislike them. I actually like Yaz a lot, but I feel like she's been given short shrift that you never really get to know her. You never really get to know any of them. And, uh, or, you know, they change well, you got, so you much. You got to know Graham. You got to know yeah. Graham really well. <laughs> even, even Graham, though. Graham, you know, they all seem kind of superficial to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. After, I would probably have disagreed with you completely until this week. It's right now I'm actually doing this workshop having to do with screenwriting, the binge model. And that's one thing. There's the emotional characterization where you work in a character and you take their development. You first look at it, work it for one season. And then you ask the question, well, what will happen to that character's growth in, say, five seasons? Mm -hmm. So you really line that out. How would this character react? How do they develop? And that's been that whole thing is just it is superficial i just kind of like well there's this little one characteristic and that's all we get it's mm. <laughs> i had to say it's a little bit like soap opera writing because you'll have a character where they will talk about the same thing over mm. and over and over and over and they just don't go anywhere it's like a broken mm. record right. oh. but that's that's one of the hallmarks of amateur writing is when you're writing character instead of giving them depth you just give them a quirk Mm. Well, and exactly. That identifies the character. Well, well, that that doesn't tell you anything about well, one the of character. The other it's things, a very superficial trait. You know, one of the uh, folks over on Facebook, actually, uh, our friend Nisha, who is going to be on our next episode, uh, wrote actually is having a well-sourced writing team with different theming skills is very important, and I mm -hmm. agree completely with that. It is, you know. One of the things you need to have skilled writers in there who are familiar with the characters, familiar with the background. That's why Moffat originally worked so well because he was a Doctor Who fanboy. He knew where to come from with this. And, you know, and it was 
you, I don't feel like you get that very much with Doctor Who nowadays, with especially you know the last two years. It's and it's it sucks. Has Chibnall ever talked about having been a fan? I don't know because we because we know. Yes, we know, he is a fan. He's actually a long time. Interesting because we know yeah. Davis was as well. A long time fan of the old series. <laughs> Yeah, there was a video of him. Um, God, what was it? I remember seeing him, and he was young, and he was wearing a suit. Um, but he was like on some like like it was like BBC One kind of kind of very 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 public broadcast, and he was like talking to I forget which show runners runners it was, and how he was saying how well you know you need to be doing this with the series, and he was being very hypercritical, and it was like a show basically, and he and it said Chris Chibnall fan. And it, I, I, I oh, please do. It. But yeah, it kind of was like <laughs> yeah. it was. Post it that, was please. Funny. I would love to see that and see if he's done any it. of those things. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, exactly. Oh, analysis on that. Seriously, using the binge model because that's what I'm doing right now. Is I actually had to my in my workshop. I have to study a show that is has that proof model and then analysis it first on that and i'm doing that right now with walking dead because it did follow that model and so i'm going through the old episodes again i'm like oh this is really neat seeing it from a completely different perspective so i'd love to do based on seeing that stuff that you find from chibnall i'd love yeah, to do that i definitely would love to see something like that the thing is uh and you know it's very interesting because a lot of times especially with the new series you fall in love with the doctor. You fall for the the actor playing for the doctor. You feel that you get to know this this character. You know almost what to expect. Sometimes with like Matt Smith's doctor, you know, he was the alien goofy one. You know, with Capaldi, he was doc, you know, at first he was just who am I? Am I a good man or a bad man? And then he became the aged rocker almost for the doctor. I never felt that with Jody's doctor. It's almost like she's still trying to find themselves. And I blame, I completely blame Chibnall on that because Jody is doing, it's almost like Judy, Jody is doing everything to save the show. She is, you know, knocking it out of the ballpark with the material she has. But when you have crap, I almost said the other way, but you know, but you know, but when you have crap shoveled at you, you have to play with it and do what you have to do with it. And that's the problem. Well, for the I, first series, she was almost in the background. Oh, it was the Graham show the first season. It completely was. We joked about it on the show here that, you know, you know, it was the Graham show and it was, was for the first season. For you, it was. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah one of chibnall's weird tropes everything that he's written has an old man in it for doctor who if you go back in his episodes he has some really weird tropes that he employed with his companions and it feels a lot like graham is the stand-in for himself and that's tedious oh yeah um alan actually popped in on our message and hope you're feeling better alan sorry you yes. couldn't be here tonight yes uh it, he said the thing with chimnal was after trial of a time lord and he criticized john nathan turner and pip and jane baker for about you know but everyone criticized pip and jane yeah, baker sure so did. it's okay sure they deserve the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> if you youtube uh open air was the name of the program in 1986 just write chris chimnal open air and you'll see him sitting there just criticizing how the the, the episode ran 
And now he's become the very thing he hated. (laughs) 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 He was... Discussing with other Doctor Who fans his disappointment with the show's latest series, which was series uh, season twenty three. Yep. Jerry, yeah. Jerry Chandler just posted that up in the chat. So if anyone wants to click on it, we will also have a link to it up in our show notes. So thank you, Jerry. But yeah, it's real interesting stuff. How do we fix it, though, folks? What you know? What else can we do to fix Doctor Who? Do you, would you guys, do you want to see Jody stay? Do you want to see her at least stay through the 60th anniversary? I would love to see her with a yes. different showrunner. I didn't have the doctor's leaving after its three seasons. I mean, I get it because it's so, you have to be away from family for nine months. But this time we've got the COVID. We've got the COVID doctor. We had this whole entire big, really delay going on here where all the actors could be rested. So I want Jody continue on, but if she, for whatever reason, if she, if she found a different a different role or whatever it is the case, if that is, then Joe Martin, I want Joe Martin to take over for the Fourteenth Doctor, so that we can continue on with the Fugitive Doctor. There's so much of storyline for Fugitive Doctor that has not been really explored, and I don't know if Chibnall's planning on doing that, but I do hope that that happens. If not. I want Jody to stick at least through the 60th. Really, I do. I really do. I would hope she would because it's only two years. It really mm-hmm. is. You know, even Matt Smith decided to stay through the 50th and then the episode after, that's when he regenerated. I would be okay if Jody decided to do that also. But Yeah, and it, and he actually wanted to go. He now regrets that he left. He feels that he should have been with Jenna for another year before he had. So not, that's like one of his biggest regrets right now. I think he was supposed to be. I don't know if I actually read it or if it's just a very strong impression that I got that he left early, which must have really pissed off Moffat. Yes. But he mostly just quit because um, his buddies left the show, which I get. But, you know, this isn't summer camp. This is a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's always interesting because – Tenet was the same way, you know, he, you know, he now says he wish he stayed for, with one season with Moffat because, you know, Moffat had written this whole storyline for him. Yeah. And. Oh, yeah. That would have been really, I would, I actually would love for Big Finish to do the version that Moffat was going to do so that we could actually get an idea of what that would have been. It would have been awesome. So I'm sure there was something, I'm sure there's something that he's already had written down besides just saying notes. This is what I was going to do. Oh, he had scripts. He had, you know, a whole plot line plotted out. And you could tell in the 11th hour where it could have easily been Tenet in that storyline. Oh, and yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. oh and, yeah. Absolutely. Which is pretty cool. And I would have loved to have seen that. You know, you know, some of the people online are saying for those mini episodes, wouldn't it be great to get a River Song mini mini episode series? Yep. I think yes. that that would be well, Mike, we know you would be. I mean that, I mean that's the thing. There's so <laughs> many strong characters in Doctor Who. There's Hell, so a many Captain, things. We could you have could a do. Captain Jack. We could have Torchwood mini Ooh. episodes or I something. Mean, it just and, and they don't have to be like big expensive productions no you know and that's the thing there's a lot of these actors have already come back and they've done big finish so maybe i in my opinion i think bbc needs to start pushing big finish because it's it's almost good and bad it seems like the bbc gave them the license and said okay you have it we're going to keep our hands out of it and i think that's probably why the bb why the big finish episodes and all the audio dramas are absolutely 
astoundingly amazing. So maybe because it is the, okay, you keep your hand out of the cookie jar. Well, we've got this. Don't, don't worry. But the bad thing it's it. The bad thing is I know so many people who Dr. Who fans, like even when I'm like, you know, at, at cons and stuff, just chit chatting with, you know, who my tribe, let's start talking, talking Dr. Who. And they have no idea what big finish is. I'm going, that's where they doctor lives. Wait, what? Don't you know that we're getting more ninth doctor? What? You don't? Mm-hmm. Well, let me go ahead and tell. So the act clearly, the actors and the talent want to come back. They're they're in, in some form to be able to do that. I was so, going to say, you know, Night Doctor does not want to come back. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> and no, he's no. on the screen anyway. Which just kind of shows you how comfortable and welcoming Big Finish has done uh, how, how, a job they've done to have all these people come back. Where to that point, Eccleston saying, "Yeah, you know what? I will do it. I've talked to enough people to go. I'll give you a chance. I'll 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 put on that role again, vocally." Well, you can thank you can thank the pandemic for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, point. without without a lot of live action work for a lot of actors, a lot of them That's went true. to voice work and Big mm-hmm. Finish just reaped the reward. They're like, come on in, you know, and <laughs> and it's great. I mean, now we've got like this just embarrassment of riches when it comes to Big Finish. Uh, it's been pretty amazing. So, yeah, to see that translate in some sort of uh, form, you know, like I said, on on HBO Max or something like that, where you get like a Torchwood movie or a miniseries or something, or you get like these things, I think that would be great. Uh, you know, it's in their best interest, everybody's best interest to do that kind of stuff. As long as they don't do another Miracle Day, I'll be fine. You know? <laughs> well, I think, oh I think Torchwood owes us, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, yes. They, and... yes. I didn't even finish that. that. <laughs> I didn't That's it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I skipped it. I've never seen it. You because I was told horrible. not to watch it. Funny enough, like like the, the the show Angel. I never watched the fourth season because I heard it was just so weird. Oh, I love season four. I, I, it's weird. It's it weird. Is weird. And I just skipped right to five, and I was fine, and I never yeah. missed a beat. So yeah, no. miracle. I never watched it. I just you're fine. You're fine. You're good. I would you're, actually say go ahead and watch season four. I would say don't watch Miracle Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alan actually wrote us, and he says, "I'm certain that the Fugitive Doctor and the Timeless Child are laying seeds for the." 60th anniversary special. That would be smart. That would be nice. I would would hope so. Because that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Like you have to have someone plan this thing planned out, you know, now, as we've seen sometimes, you know, when you have something planned out, like Moffat did with the 11th doctor, you know, and Matt left early, it just derailed everything and it crashed hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if he ever really recovered from that. Uh, That series. I don't know if that ever, series ever recovered from that but that that is the danger of uh, planning out that long but you have to have some leeway in order to that's why i mean it's great what marvel has done to use that as an example but nobody else has done what marvel's done i mean they are an exception that that everybody should strive for sure but it's hard they, it's they've hard got the source material yeah and they and have they disney too. money so and it's so money. very different right. yeah absolutely yes, that's and, very true oh i think marvel would be screwed though if kevin foggy left oh, you know absolutely yeah, I totally think, you know, if, if Feige... Yes and no. Well, he's now going to be working with Star Wars stuff, and he's not going to be focusing 100% on Marvel. But that's neither here nor here. Could you imagine Kevin Feige, you know, working with Doctor Who? You need somebody of that level, you know? Yeah. I think you need somebody of that level. And, and, and I don't know who that person is right now. Like, you know, if you ask me who would make a great showrunner if, if Chibnall leaves or, if, you know, whatever... Um, 
I don't know who that person is. I mean, I'm certainly, there's a lot of shows I like that I think that, you know, could work. Um, but, you know, they have to, they have to like Doctor Who and they have to have a vision for Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I the important thing. They can't just be a person that comes in and, and can get stuff done on budget. That, that mm-hmm. won't do. You no. need somebody, somebody who is going to create something that people are going to talk about the next day. Mm-hmm. And that the internet is going to go crazy about. Like, you well, that's just need somebody like that. And that's what's wonderful about going back to, instead of binge watching everything all at once, it's great to have the weekly series spec yes. because you do have the water cooler talk if you had a water cooler to talk about, you know, anymore. Yeah, but yeah virtual but, water cooler. Exactly. But you get to yeah. talk about that and everything. So it would be real interesting to see what would happen. And Doctor Who does have a history with Marvel. So, you know. <laughs> so it'd be real interesting to see what would happen. Doctor and could ha- end up in the MCU. Is that what you're saying? You know, <laughs> yeah. Crossover. Oh hell! And it's like, wait a minute. You look like Kilgrave. What about what? No, that's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Marvel to bring us the Fantastic Four and tell me how Captain America and Kill and Killmonger were both Johnny Torch. So. Yeah. We're going to yeah. find that out, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Here, well, multiverse of Madness. Here's See, a, that's what I can't wait for. But that's the, that's the thing. Is like Kevin uh, Feige, to me, he's he's somebody that is that it's, he's the unicorn of he has a left brain and a right brain that's firing on all cylinders. So he knows, okay, budget-wise and analy- you know, analysis-wise, and let's do this, 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 this. And then he could stop, put on his right brain and go, okay, I need to speak to somebody that has the creative juices to understand big picture like me and understands the source material. It just has both of those things going. So I think to his credit, it, it Feige knows who to put in the correct places in this game of chess and not just throw every, you know, try to get his pawns to attack everything. Like- and I think with Doctor Who, you need, Chibnall doesn't have that scope or whoever whoever needs to be above Chibnall doesn't have that scope to go, okay, well, you need to be in this role and you need to be in this role and you need to be in this role and I'm going to trust you people because I know you guys can get this done. No, agreed. That's totally true. What about, you know, for like we going back and forth a little bit, but like for in between the seasons, some kind of animated seasons – like series so they can actually bring back some of the older yeah. actors and such yeah. and wouldn't that be cool yeah uh shannon clute uh one of our listeners and she's on facebook right now she brought that up and it's a great idea because then you could bring back even ian who you know it's a shame you know that they haven't done susan is still around you know they Where have is not she? Yeah, they have. I was hoping for her. There's so much. There's so so much legacy. Hell, they could even bring back Fraser as Jamie. They could, you know. There's and you know Zoe. Return of Adric. No. (laughs) Oh my god! If they they were able to go back and show that he lived somehow. We were just talking about that before the show. They did that. They did that in Big Finish. Yeah, he he survived it, according to Big Finish. So, oh, thank God. Yeah, but you know, of course, <laughs> the Doctor the couldn't materialize the TARDIS around Adric or anything. You know, no. at that point, no. Why would he? Oh, I didn't know how to do that yet. So, it's it's there's so much they could tap into, and I'm gonna bite my cheek at this one. They could even do Rose and the other Hand Doctor <laughs> in a story. I love it. I want it so bad. <laughs> Rose in the hand. I would be good with that. Rose because in I the think hand. They, that should, that's I what it should be called. 
I think there was a lot of stuff that RTD did not write, which he should have and could have gone back and fixed. I mean, if he it, if, if the word "bad wolf" was scrawled ac- across the beach somewhere, and they went, "Okay, see, this is this is what's supposed to happen," or do something to kind of fix though, there was so many loose ends where that's why I can understand where some people hate the hell out of it. I understand it. I love the <laughs> hell out of it, but you, you, it, head cannons can only go so far. So fix this. Well, exactly. But even with the animated stuff, they could bring back Amy and Rory, or they could yes. do yeah. they could do stories so much, of yeah. Rory the Centurion over two thousand years. They just did that with Big Finish. It just yes. came out this week. You know, or, you know, do a live action thing with Arthur Darville as, as yeah. the Centurion, and it doesn't. You know, that wouldn't have to be a, necessarily a big budget thing. No. You know, like a fifteen minute webisode. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish my- they would have done an animated version of P.S. Which would have been amazing yeah. way to finalize the Amy and Rory story. And that would have been a great Minnesota, like we said. Hilariously enough, written by Chibnall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's why I was biting my cheek there, my friend. <laughs> I really do have to say, I, I'm I might be in a minority. I'm not as I'm not as bothered by the last two series. This is not this has not even been close to my valley for Doctor Who. I almost quit at the beginning of series five, throughout most of series six, and throughout most of series eight. I definitely do feel like we are in a lull. I won't deny that to anyone, but it's really hard not to feel like a lot of the kickback is just because of major changes like showrunner and female doctor and more inclusive companions. That, I think, is the bigger problem with Doctor Who right now is a lot of angry nerd boys getting angry about women. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I was, Personally, that's where I wanted to go next, actually, was fandom angry. and, yeah. you know, how ugly it's gotten, especially Toxity. the hate. Yeah, how ha- the hatred against Jody is out of out of their minds. It's ridiculous. It is, you know, there's been people complaining about the doctors. We've lost co-hosts because of new doctors who have been on the show and such. But we, you know, we are seeing now such hatred towards because there's a female doctor and which is ridiculous. It is, it's uncalled for. And I think she is... I think she's been doing as great a job as someone like Tennant or someone as Matt Smith or any of the doctors. I would put her up there with that. She I mean, is in doing a way even yeah. better because she's had worse writing to work with. No, you're completely yeah. right. You are completely right. <laughs> I can't wait to discover her to discover her great adventures on Big Finish. Um, oh yes, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I always love to say, that's what redeemed Colin Baker's Doctor for me. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, not to mention, Paul McGann had a had a you know a great run uh, and big finish oh, because yeah. of that. Still yeah. does, and it was yeah, he still is. Colin, it was that Colin and Perry relationship that saved big finish? Saved that for me too because on screen I could not stand Perry. I absolutely, when it comes to worst companions, I was like, 
I could not stand her at all because she killed my doctor. So, you know, maybe I had a little bit of bias <laughs> to there. But you know, but then when it came to Big Finish, I was like, okay, now they're not just butting heads all the time. They actually, it's making sense now. They actually have a relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Sixth Doctor is just a revelation on Big Finish. It's so different. <laughs> and I think Jody will shine that way away from Chibnall. But, you know, I've, you know, people going, well, if Chibnall leaves, you know, Jody's going to leave because they're attached at the hip. And it's like, really? Yeah, that, it doesn't have to be. I that hope, not. I hope, I hope not. not. Yeah. But that I seems wish they would to be, stop doing that. I know. I, I want her to yeah. break that mold, too. I want I want somebody who played the doctor to have more than one showrunner and to show, look, this is how committed I am to the role. And we're just going to, you know. Keep rolling with it. So I'm not going to do this three and out, and I'm not going to do this. Oh, my my showrunner is going away. I'll go too. Yeah. Come on. Oh, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, from Facebook, we got Jerry Chandler. He said, "I agree with Kevo. I've said before. I almost quit with Peter's doctor, despite loving him on the in the role. The writing was letting the, his doctor down, and Jody is a great doctor is facing the same exact issues. And yes. I I agree with that." Because I, because yeah. I, I think I, I think Peter I, Peter Capaldi is a great doctor. His he is a great actor, and I think you know I think you said it earlier that you know Moffat almost was in shock that Smith quit. That you know you know he had to you know pick up the pieces and everything, and I don't think he was prepared for Capaldi for the next season. And I almost dropped Doctor Who with that damn cyber brigadier and all that kind of crap. <laughs> you know. Where did yeah. he go? Where is he now? Yeah. Don't, Where's don't, story? Don't, no, no, don't, no, 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 no. That, that, that's one character that we. That one again. That, that's not. That's not. That's one character that doesn't need his own miniseries. <laughs> mini just, just drop that. So something should just go away. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mark <laughs> Mark Heffernan just wrote us. Talking about fandom, for a show that's supposed to be about change, it's surprising how many Doctor Who fans are resistant to change. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the first mm -hmm. Jodie Chibnall season because the Doctor faced off against brand new adversaries and visited new worlds. The second Jodie Chibnall season went back to the usual Master Dalek, Cybermen, etc. formula. Agree completely with that. And I don't think Chibnall handled those characters coming back very well. I will yeah. say this. Chibnall did make the Daleks scary again. Yes. Yeah, that's one thing I can say is he writes fantastic Daleks. I will Daleks say both stories. New Year's specials with the Daleks I enjoyed. I did too. And I like that they were related almost. Like mm -hmm. they weren't exactly a two-parter, but yeah. they definitely yeah. – I like that. It, mm -hmm. it was because it's actually meant to be a trilogy. So he actually had envisioned that there is a, supposed to be another episode that he had envisioned it to be a trilogy. So that's why they. Oh, did. Well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was part of that five year plan that has kind of gone out the window like a Dalek. <laughs> well, exactly. What do you guys, you know, we're going to get at least another season of Jody and Chibnall. As of right now, we, I'm so staying away from the rumors that she's going to be leaving at, at the end of this next season until I hear it from the BBC or until I see it up on screen and I'll be shocked and surprised and see it's Matt Lucas as the next doctor, you know, it'd be <laughs> great, you know, but no, literally, you know, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen 
Do I have high hopes for the next season? It's Chibnall. Do I have high hopes because it's Jody? Yes. And everything. There's no Graham. I know. It's going to be, I'll I'll bow my head and have a a beer. But don't worry. But don't worry. We still have a white guy in the TARDIS. So everything is still okay. That's that's the most important thing. We still have a straight white guy in the TARDIS. So everything is okay. Thank God they put that at the end of the last episode so we can all calm down. Exactly. People were worried. I, this one, if there really is, this is, turns out to be Jodie's last season, which, again, I'm hoping it not to be. I want her to go dark. She is so good at being, if you, if there is a scene that was a Shakespearean scene, you can actually look it up on YouTube, that has, it's between Eccleson and Jodie, and they are delivering this very dramatic scene, and that is what her cup of the tea is, is doing dramatic. Mm-hmm. She can, she can shine in that and Chibnall owes that to her oh yeah really it would be interesting because every other every one of the other doctors in the new series have had periods to go dark her doctor has not yet even when Gallifrey was destroyed by the master and everything she didn't really go dark and I'd love to see that I think she Mm -hmm. can handle it I've seen her play dark roles you know look at her role in Black Mirror you know look at you know a in other shows that she's been on and other movies, she plays dark really well. And I think she could do it. And a dark doctor would be great for a few episodes. So. Yeah, she has a lot of range as an actress. And I, I feel like she she doesn't get to show it. Mm-hmm. That uh, She's kind of stuck on this this one note and it's not not her fault she tries very hard to to break out of that material and and go farther Mm -hmm. but but it's like they're keeping her reined in and i don't understand why i mean let her shine yeah i also i mean i i mentioned this on on our show quite a bit too but i don't think he did it i think he did a disservice when he kind of the doctor should always be the smartest person in the room. And there's many times on, on these episodes where I don't feel like she is. And mm-hmm. I think that he's done a disservice. Now I think he calls that, you know, creating more dramatic tension and, and, you know, not, I mean, not having someone who's like uber powerful or uber smart. So they have to work through stuff. I get that, but that's not the, who the doctor is. That's never yeah. been who the doctor is. As far as there's I'm. always a level of arrogance with the doctor, just, just, just a little bit that's under the surface. But or even I mean, if it was tenant Harry goes, oh, I'd call you clever, but I'm standing in the room. And you're yes. right. I, I absolutely agree. It's she she isn't the smartest person in the room at all times. And she and at least they're not showing that at all. Yeah. I mean, at least like with the seventh doctor with uh, McCoy, he would play as if, you know, kind of clownish. Da, 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 but you could see he's being subversive because, you know, yes. he, he was being yes. a little more calculating right. with it. Right. Mm-hmm. He but, wanted people yeah. to underestimate him, basically. Yes, exactly. And actually, he got yeah. that a lot of Patrick Troughton's mm-hmm. doctor, especially, you know, you know, trying to be, you know, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to sit here playing my recorder. And, you know, mm-hmm. in the meantime, he's flipping switches and, you know, yes. or as the doctor likes to say, that's the one thing you don't do. Put me by a nice control board. <laughs> <laughs> or put me into a trap. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I find Gaz a bit is going like how Clara did. And that was one thing I hated about Clara is it became the Clara show and that Clara, it became like she was the equal to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So I really don't want Gaz to go that direction at all. No, she Clara went 
from being the most important girl in the universe to being wanting to be the doctor so far as lying and putting people's lives in danger. And it finally backfired on her when she tried to save that guy from the Raven and she couldn't save herself from it. And the doctor couldn't do anything to save her except for go back in time and, you know, rescue her with one second left. Yeah, exactly. With me. That was With me. That, what, that episode was the one Moffat totally let me down because I, I actually liked the idea of the Raven, that episode being Clara's ending because, mm-hmm. again, she would have seen a doctor or a, a friend in this case, but still, that was what she was supposed to do. And and with the doctor bringing her back and all that, I'm just like, okay, we. this is a case of, I didn't know what to do with the episode, so let's just bring her back. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good to see some consequences, you know, exactly. good and bad. And then exactly. you just totally undermined it. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I don't find with this series of Doctor Who right now. There are no consequences yet. So, mm. and, you know, yeah, Gallifrey was destroyed by the Master, but how you know get again, again gallifrey's again. gonna be yeah, back it gets again destroyed all the time. I, mean, you know. I bet i bet you 10 to 1 at the 60th anniversary gallifrey will be back you know the doc the doc the multiple doctors because... will you know somehow bring gallifrey gallifrey lives again and he'll bring back tom baker going <laughs> <laughs> who knows i'll just be the curator yeah be happy happy in a clam Mm, exactly. Well, I think we're running out of energy. I could feel it already a little bit. <laughs> it's just like, you know, so. Trying to fix this show is a lot of work. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Did we save it? <laughs> it remains to be seen. We bitched and moaned a lot. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did do a lot of boning. I definitely agree yeah. with that. <laughs> but it is awesome. You know, I think this. I think it was a fun discussion. And thank you guys so much. Thank you, everyone who's watching us over on Facebook. This is awesome. I think we need to be doing more of these Facebook Live discussions. And I think we're going to start. And we'll do it with you guys. You know, we'll do crossovers more and stuff, which is pretty oh, awesome. This is just That'd be fun. a ton of fun. And, you know. Let's go around real quick and thank everybody for being here tonight. Um, Mackenzie, you're an author. You want to promote your stuff real quick? Well, sure. So I'm Mackenzie Floor. I'm most known for the Write a Wand series, which the main character, Mirta McKinnon, is literally written for Matt Smith. So if you're a Matt Smith fan, you would probably like the book. Other than that, I'm also the author of the Binge Watcher Guide to Doctor Who series. So if you wanted to know more about Jody's Doctor or the history I'm the person to go to. So you can find me at MackenzieFloor.com, also at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much every place that you can find a book at. I'm there. Awesome. All right. And Kevo, thank you so much for being with us tonight. You're welcome. Um, sh- I, should I plug? Go I plug, plug. Plug all plug the way. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Uh, well, apart from the work that I do on TLTT, I co-host Husbands Talking More or Less, our HTML podcast with my husband. Uh, we started by going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the lead up to Avengers Endgame. And now we've done a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, we are about to get back into it, which is really cool. And we are also the co-creators of a superhero comic series called Kid Riot, which is about a bunch of heroes uh, from across all different orientations of gender, race, sexuality, uh, because 
being a hero isn't about who you are, it's about what you do. And uh, all of that is available for free to read at KidRideComics.com, and it is a tweeting up title as well. That is awesome. And Melanie, you want to promote your stuff also and the wonderful podcast that you help produce? So yeah, if you if uh, as as Mackenzie and Kevo both said, and Mike's been on a bunch of times. Now we just need to get other Mike and uh, and I will tag you as other Mike um, and Mary on the show. Uh, the podcast is the Legend of the Traveling Tardis. You can also find just the hashtag TLTT, and you can probably find it there. We're on YouTube, Facebook, all that kind of fun stuff. Where I've said it early in the show, we we, we talk about things. Imagine that it's all Doctor Who base. Um, I can be found. Shocker! <laughs> no, I'm not a fan. Um, these are two paintings I painted um, in my spare time. I paint a lot. Um, Those are your parents. Portraits. Those are my parents, <laughs> funny enough. They're the same person, so it's kind of weird. Um, John and Joan Smith. It's awesome. Weird. <laughs> um, so uh, usually I make cons in the Southeast, but you can find me on my Instagram handle, Facebook handle, and on my Etsy shop, Pieces of Melee. And... Prints, originals, all that kind of fun stuff. So here, you can kind of see even more. There's there's another tenant that I made because somebody else wanted it and didn't pick it up. And there's Jack. And I did a Sylvester McCoy, but I did a Masoretic Esther Brown. That's okay. That's pretty awesome. And Mackenzie has a friend who came and visited. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> And let's thank our regulars, of course. Mary Ogle, thank you as always. Oh, thank you. This was a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank all of you for being here. Hi, Kitty. You want to promote your stuff? You can find my artwork at maryogle.com. And I'm going to tease that I am writing my first novel. (gasps) And that it will be an urban fantasy. Wow. And that it's getting close to being finished, amazingly <laughs> enough. So I'm just teasing, but there will be more information. You tease, you tease. Nice. <laughs> that is awesome. Check out my website, mariogle.com. And Keep of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Always great to talk to you, my friend. We got the Dragon Con report coming back next week, don't we? We do. Yep. We got Yay. the Dragon Con report. Of course, you can find us both weekly on Earth Station One. And um, you can find out about my books and comics and all that kind of stuff at newlegendmike.com as well. Excellent. Definitely check his stuff out. Tiki Zombie is an amazing series it's if you get awesome. to check it out. We're halfway through issue four, people. We're halfway through issue four. <laughs> Was you like, know, get off our back. You can do it. We're <laughs> pretty, it for you. I'm working on it. I know that. Leave me alone. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We are Earth Station Who. We can be found up on Facebook, you know, everyone who's been watching tonight. But we're also up on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Amazon. Anywhere you can find good podcasts. Even Earth Station Who is there. So please check us out. It would be great if you could give us five stars. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us uh, some kind of rating, some kind of review. It would be awesome. I'd really appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to leave feedback and write us, feedback at earthstationwho.com. Can't ask for anything more easy than that. We will be back again in two weeks. And Nisha, who we were speaking about earlier, is going to be joining us with her pick of one of her favorite episodes of Doctor Who. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. Loved your Love to everybody. Peace. And we will see you. Ciao. And we're done. Boom. Yay. Yay.
You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Hey everyone, this is George Tripsis, co-host from the Metal Geeks podcast, along with Carrie, the Metal Geek, and Brutal Dave. Our show is where we bring the Metal Geek culture and heavy metal culture and mash it into the geek culture. Come listen to our show where we talk about movies, comic books, Disney stuff, and mostly about movies where I'm always right and Carrie's never right. Check us out at MetalGeeks.net. You can catch us on all your earhole listening podcast devices. I'm Carrie, the Metal Geek, and I approve this message. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.